Good morning, Living by Faith listeners. This is Living by Faith, and I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. Did you know that Living by Faith is also a podcast? That's right, it is. You can listen to it all day, every day, wherever you listen to podcasts. But you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here right now, this morning at 8 a.m. Today, we get to celebrate Black History Month on the show. I am really excited about this topic and about celebrating and thinking through this topic. What does it mean to celebrate Black History Month? As I was thinking about how to celebrate with you, I thought I'd read a snippet of an article that I wrote several years ago for Desiring God. But before I do that, I'd also love to answer your questions as you listen in today. Um, you can email them at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. That's livingbyfaith at uh, moody.edu. So as I mentioned, February is Black History Month. In 1976, the United States government officially acknowledged this month as an annual celebration of noted Black historians, scholars, educators, and publishers. School days, for me, during this month of February, meant learning about historical Black figures like Frederick Douglass, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., and the posters would go up, and we'd be required to dive into um, heavy research on who those people or any any usually it was like the most popular people of our history were and what they did. But as quickly as the posters went up, they disappeared when the calendar turned over to March 1st. As earnest as our research had been, once February ended, these people were basically forgotten. February, I believe, is a wonderful time to reflect on the lives of Black Americans and the contributions they had on society. It's a time to teach kids specifically about American history. It also presents a great time for local media to highlight the heroes of their respective communities. And we've done it a lot in my community, and I'm so grateful for that. But I wonder if there's a different, perhaps even better way that Christians can approach embracing the historical significance of Black Americans and culture. I think I'd like to suggest something to you. I'd I don't suggest that Christians withdraw from the celebration and culture at large. I do not think that at all. By all means, honor worthy heroes along with the mainstream. But I think there's a better way. I, and I'm, I'm suggesting, and, and maybe we, I don't know if we could call it a Christian approach, but I am. It is to celebrate Black history throughout the whole year. It's because we are made in the image of God. And so why not think of uh, history and our history all throughout the year? Many of us have a real desire for racial harmony, but cramming our heads full of history for one month won't necessarily build a broad awareness of the issues of our country and of what our country still faces. If anything, the fact that we have this one month segregated from other 11, uh, all the 11 um, remaining 
months reminds us that we are still a long way from racial reconciliation or real reconciliation. Now, I've got to say this. I love Black History Month. And as we continue to talk about it, you'll see that our family celebrates it in a really specific way. So I am not saying (laughs) that we should not celebrate it. What I am saying is we can we can go beyond just February. We can keep thinking and and celebrating. Personally, my experience growing up made me sense the topic of Black history to be less important than others. And so what I'm saying is we don't have to just set aside this one month. We can celebrate throughout, throughout the year and learn from those who have gone before us and we we don't have to isolate it to just 28 days. Why is that? Well, there's a, a lot of reasons why, but a few is that we can gain perspective. Getting to know our shared history throughout the year can help us gain understanding and perspective. Specifically, in the church, it could be a means of building community and helping us learn how to better love one another and bear one another's burdens as we look at the history and Galatians 9 2 I'm sorry Galatians 6 2 it it tells us that we should bear one another one another's burdens and fulfill the love of Christ so we want to learn how to bear and 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 carry that's what that means carry and and care for others well one way to do that is to understand our history because our history does it 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 kind of it, it it affects us it is the lens at which we often view the world around us and so understanding that i think will help us um love one another well um our nation's history of oppression and segregation it continues to kind of carry that sting for many so so understanding that well it really helps us to to listen well, to communicate well, to to know and serve our neighbor well. So I encourage us to to reflect, to and to learn. I think it also opens the door for evangelism. Um, it knowledge and understanding of others' history can be a catalyst for opening dialogue about other things about the Lord. And so, why not do that? Why not open that door? It of course. It welcomes diversity in our homes. Um, We've had various traditions in our home, which, again, we'll talk about later. And it helps build um, community around something that's that's maybe unique to other people. So we've had invited friends over and we'll talk and discuss things. It is a means of grace to others to know and to be encouraged and challenged at times. And. Of course, it can prepare the way for our changing demographic. Um, Again, I'm talking about the United States, but it has been highly documented that the United States will not look the same over the next 50 years. Namely, our demographic are rapidly changing. And and so what what is that going to look like if I think if we understand our history, it will help us to love our neighbor well, to welcome people and to prepare a way for our churches to be and I hope it is, to look like what we're going to be worshiping together with for eternity. A, all tribes, tongues, and nations worshiping together. So there's just a few. There's a lot, a lot of reasons to celebrate, to educate, and to learn. But 
there's a few to get you started. As I mentioned, if you have questions, I'd love to answer your questions as you listen in today. You can email them at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. That's livingbyfaith at moody.edu. To help me with today's episode, I am bringing on my producer extraordinaire, Karen Hendren. So she's going to help us talk through Black history, but not just that. Sharing my own um, history and how I came to love this celebration and and yeah, just my background. So Karen Hendren is the producer of Living by Faith and at Stetzer Live. Karen has worked at Moody Radio since 2014. 2014, that's 10 years on a variety of programs. She is also an Emmy-winning journalist who's worked at the Associated Press, Reuters, CNN, Fox, and News Nation. She has a bachelor's degree from Loyola University and a master's of science in journalism from Northwestern University. She has two sons and lives in the Chicago suburbs. Karen, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, You know, as you were introducing this topic, you talked about a little bit about how you um, would uh, study uh, different stories, biographies of um, during Black History Month in February as a kid. Can you tell me a little bit about your story growing up uh, celebrating Black History Month? Yeah. Well, I celebrated Black History Month probably like every other child celebrated Black History Month. In February, um, with our teachers, they would pull out different posters and I would read about them. But also, I grew up, obviously, in a Black family. And so my mother and father would tell share stories and things that they experienced, which were very hard also to un- to understand. But I, I, I just couldn't fathom some of the things that they experienced. But but that is that was it. And and every year I would um, go to our city. I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'd grow go to our city celebration and I would march in our um, parade. And and that was my a- annual celebration. It was learning and and marching in our parade and going to our city's celebration and sometimes with friends i remember one one time in particular with a friend and so it was just a, the the common things that many of us many of us do and many of the kids do even um recently oh what i think it was yesterday my 14 year old her um school had a whole assembly where they brought in people from the community and um had a, this i think is just precious but had the a daughter and um mother sing the negro national anthem and it was just i, I think it's just really sweet um how communities are still trying to figure out the best way to celebrate and to come together and um that's what I did. Same thing that probably many people are doing today. Well, that's, that's yeah, it's, it sounds very similar to the experiences that my children, you know, when they were growing up, you know, how they uh, learned different things about, you know, different people, different figures in history. Um, for you, though, when we first talked about this show, I – we were on the phone, and you were telling me that you were in the middle of making a special stew. 
So I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about um, now how your family celebrates uh, Black History Month. Oh, I would love to share. I would love to share. Um, I will say this. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that (laughs) because we have one minute until the break, and I do not want anyone to miss it. But our family, we we have— I I will start by saying this, tell you a little bit about my family. I am an African-American female, and I am married to my dear husband, who is white, and we have two biracial children. So celebrating culture and difference has been a very sweet part of our family. So when we return, I'm going to tell you how we celebrate Black History Month more soon. Welcome back to Living by Faith with your host, Trillia Newbell. And we are talking about Black History Month, celebrating Black History Month, enjoying um, our celebration, not just in February, but throughout the year, because I believe we can. I believe we can learn about our shared history throughout the whole year. However, I am grateful that we get to celebrate in February. And before the break, my producer, Karen Hendren, asked me about how our family specifically celebrates. And I should tell you um, that I have a new book that is coming out that it, it takes all of what I'm about to say and it puts it in a book for you called Celebrating Around the Table. You can pre-order it, Celebrating Around the Table. And in it, I have recipes and profiles and devotionals and all sorts of things to help encourage your family celebrate um, throughout the year as well. So what we do every February, we we do it, we do it very all sorts of different ways. But this year, we've been looking at my ancestry and I don't know if you knew this, Karen, but for a lot of African-Americans, our, we can only trace our history back so far. We, because of slavery and um, the, the fact that a lot of our ancestry, our ancestors, their, their names, their, 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 who they were, were completely forgotten. They, there was, there's no historical record. And you know, I mentioned that I'm married to a wonderful white man, and my husband, however, he his family is from England, most of his family. And his mom is a, a British citizen who's a dual citizen, American citizen as well, and she can trace her history back to Adam and Eve. And so <laughs> it is just it just keeps going and going and going. And and the reason is is because she she didn't ex- experience the the slave trade and and so they they can trace their history back so far so being in that um marriage has been an, a a a good dynamic and reminder for the, the plight that so many people experienced um as as in our history and so this year we decided to look back at my ancestry and we did one of those dna <laughs> Tests, uh-huh. yes, and and we found out that a lot of my ancestors came from West Africa, and so what we do is we look at someone in history, and we study them, 
So we looked at an abolitionist, and I, I, I I'm not going to go into all of the historical stuff that we did, mm-hmm. but and then we also looked at um, West African food, and so I did a Nigerian stew, and cooked also this starch called fufu. And we ate that. Yes. It sounds delicious. And it was delicious. <laughs> it's absolutely delicious. And and we did we cooked that and then ate it traditionally. And then we um and and so those are the kinds of things that we do. We'll listen to music, learn about history, and but we do it throughout the month. And so one year we looked at all sorts of People who were professionals, not just what I want to do as we study history. I think sometimes we can only think of slavery, Mm -hmm. but there are people who have done all sorts of things in our history. So we looked at musicians and physicians and people who invented all sorts of things. And and we studied and then we went to the African-American music um, historical museum. And then we've been to D.C. to... To, to that National African American History Museum. And so we've done all sorts of different ways of celebrating. But every month we do, every February, we do something for the whole month. And it is, it's just a delight. It's oh. a delight. Yes. So, and, and how do you, how do you pick like what you're going to do or focus on or or is it just different depending on something that happened or caught your eye during the year? I love that question. Yeah, so every year we I come together with our family. So since it's a family event and I'm like, "Hey, what 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 do we want to do? What do we want to think about?" And this year it was ancestry. And my daughter has been wanting me to cook fufu for a long time anyways. And so when I was able to trace it back to I I tried to find an origin um or a recipe that would be something that maybe um that is eat, eaten in an area that I may have been had I not experienced the slave trade. And so, so, or my ancestors, that is. And, and so we, we really just come together and think together, okay, maybe this year we'll, we'll think through people who, uh, music, or this year we're going to think about professionals, or this year we're going to think about one year we did, we didn't just do American history. We did African history. So we do all sorts of different things and it's a lot, it's a lot of fun, but I should note, and this is something that we also do this with other cultures. And I, we, and we started this very early because we have a heart and a desire for our kids to love the nations. Uh And so we, um, we've uh, looked at Asia, the continent, and we've looked at, we've done all sorts of things. So I could just go on and on about the different things that we've eaten and the cultures that we've experienced. And the, the we've spent a summer cooking through different, um, different countries. And this is just something that's been a part of our culture and my family, because I think it's, it's really important. And for them, for us, for them to love their neighbor well, to know people, to want to know people, to get to know people, and not to be afraid, not to be afraid of difference and culture and experience. And I, I really do believe that you will love your neighbor well if you can get to know a little bit about 
culture and difference and celebrate it rather than be afraid of it. Right. Walk a little bit in their shoes. It's in whatever way that you can, right? Yeah. Um, Now, you grew up in the South, right? So how was it growing up in the South during the 70s and 80s as a, a young black girl, black woman? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in at the South, I did. And I want to start by saying, obviously, racism is all over the country. It's not just isolated to the South. Um, but, and and I, I do think that we are growing as a culture and a society. Mm-hmm. But with that said, gosh, I experienced a lot of really weird things. Um, even segregation that was still one of the country clubs in my community um, still wouldn't allow, I think it was in the 80s, wouldn't allow an African-American, um, uh, not participant, what do you call it, member, um, even in the 80s. Hmm. And and so and so that kind of segregation was still going on. And, and so there would be, I know my friends would have parties at this place and I was, I couldn't go. <laughs> And that was in the 80s. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was very shocking and, and hurtful. And, and then, of course, I would experience, um, I remember walking down the street with a, I was in the band. And I was walking down the street going with uh, one of my white male friends going to a convenience store. And someone threw a rock out of the window and called, the, it said the N-word. And um, and yeah, threw, threw a rock at us as I was walking down the street. So I, I could tell story after story after story of things that I experienced that were very, very harmful and confusing. And, um, it, it just would have been a shock, I think, to people now, I think, but, but especially with the work that I do. Um, but that I think was one of the reasons why it, it kind of propelled me into this kind of this kind of work. Oh wow! I I I wouldn't think that I guess that you would have experienced that. You know, I, yeah. I, I guess I I had thought that it, that that was more like the fifties, not yeah. the eighties. Yeah. So yes. that's that's interesting. Um, yeah. So what role did like your family members play, and even? those experiences, which could be so damaging, um, but it's helped you. Instead, you've developed a passion for diversity. So what role did both your family and and those experience, how did that shape you and give you this passion? Yeah. Well, I'll say I wasn't a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until the age of 22, but I grew up in a very loving home. And one of the things that my dad, who experienced 10 times worse than what I experienced, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was beat by a group of white men. So he experienced extreme, extreme pain and and racism. But, and and I believe it's, um, oh man, I don't want to misquote my friend. So I'm going to, but there are, there's a, hate and unforgiveness is a hard burden to carry. And so my dad just really taught us to love and and forgive. 
Um, because that burden of hate and unforgiveness is a greater bit. It only would harm me worse. Right. And more. And so I, I knew that at a young age, even before um, becoming a Christian, that and I just I had a justice heart. So I, I just knew it was wrong. <laughs> I knew it was wrong. It it didn't make sense. It was I knew that we were people and I, I didn't understand it. And so that kind of knowledge and understanding at such a young age that, wait, this is wrong. I don't view you that way. Why are you treating me this way? And then, of course, I had good experiences, too. So I was surrounded by people who loved me and cared for me of all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds. And so I knew, hey, every person isn't like this. This right. isn't the sum of all people. This isn't the sum of all of, of, of all people at all. And so knowing that, having both experiences, I think helped me fight for for love in my own heart. And I just didn't want to be like that. Right. When you see something, you're like, no, I don't want to be like that. And you also, like you, you when you mentioned that experience walking with your friend and somebody threw a rock at you, um, but but you had friends that that were white. You had friends that yes. were. So you, you were embracing other cultures. You were embracing diversity, even if people weren't embracing it. With you. Towards me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. I I wanted to live a different way. And I knew there was a better way. And I know there is a better way. And now that I'm a Christian, I know why. I know why there's a better way. And I'm grateful for Jesus. And we will talk about him when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell. And we have been talking about my story, Black History Month, but also my story and some of the things that I experienced growing up. And you know what? I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you can share a story, an encouraging story of of how you've seen the Lord heal in uh, relationships, maybe racial harmony. I was listening to a story on NPR, actually. um, I believe that's where it was. I don't remember where I was listening about a man who was um, incarcerated and he helped lead. He was a black man who was wrongly actually incarcerated, and he helped lead a white male who was very, very racist to the Lord. And this male was on death row. So he was about to be um, executed. And I just, the story of reconciliation, those stories, we need those stories. Um, So maybe you have a story, you probably don't have a story like that. That's a a big story. But if you have a story, uh, or maybe the Lord has changed your heart in some way, or maybe you just have a question, call in 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Three six seven five or eight seven seven five four eight live. You can always email me at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. So that's livingbyfaith at moody.edu. So at the break, Karen, we were just talking about some of the experiences that I had, yeah. and and you had um, 
some some more thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought it was interesting because you were talking about your dad and you said that he kind of taught you that hate and unforgiveness is really a burden that, you know, when you carry that, it's a burden on you. So um, I, I I think that's kind of a really a beautiful thing to teach. And it, it's not just that, but it's just like any kind of unforgiveness. You know, we we end up carrying that as opposed to forgiving someone and then being able to release that, you know. So um, – but you said that um, everything changed for you, especially your concept of your own identity when you became a Christian. What does that mean? What did that mean for you as a black woman? Yes. Well, there's a lot of things that happened when I became a Christian. First of all, and most importantly, I met in Jesus. <laughs> and so that, I think, is of ultimate importance. But what he did as I opened the scriptures and learned, I realized, oh, it was God's idea to create people made in his image to reflect him. And he never, he didn't discriminate. Every person walking on this earth is made in the image of God. Every single person. And so I realized that my 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 identity and my root importance wasn't based on um, anything that the culture said. It was based on the Lord, that he gives me value and no one can take that away because it's God that I was knit together in my mother's womb by God that he numbers the hairs on my head, that he created me and he created you and every other person listening. And that to me really changed everything about how I, how I viewed even the fight of, uh, for racial harmony and everything. It was, oh, this was God's idea. And, and he, Jesus Christ died on the cross, bearing the wrath that we deserve for every tribe, tongue, and nation. He didn't discriminate against who he would die for. You, anyone, anyone walking this earth can place their faith and trust in Jesus. And so I, I, I realized, oh, wait, this gospel is for all nations. And he longs for all nations to know him. He longs for all people to know him. And then one day we will, we'll be worshiping him forever. And so this changed. It changed my motive. It changed my thinking. Um, it changed the reason for why I want people to gather around the table together. And so this is, yes, it changed everything about this pursuit and and my motivation for loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's a command <laughs> to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we cannot do it apart from God. We cannot love the way God has called us to love in our own strength. There's no way. We can't do it. We cannot do it alone. And so I want, um, gosh, I, I want everyone to know this love and to know it deeply and to walk in the love that God has called us to um, by his grace and convictionally because of the cross. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for Jesus and for the young gal who shared the gospel with me. Yeah, and you know that's just such a beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful what you said, be, because it's not just like a message for Black History Month or for the one situation or another. It's a message for all of us. 
and um, that love that uh, we can feel, that identity that we can feel in Christ, um, we all have our own special identity in him. Yes. And so that that is really a beautiful thing. Now, you you mentioned, and I've heard, you know, you've talked about this before, about having um, a special friend who brought you to Christ. Um, can you explain how your friendship, I, I think there have been a couple of different women yes. of different races um, who've made a big impact um, in your life. And uh, if you could just... Talk Share. about that. Yeah. Share that. I'd love yes. to. I'd love to. Yeah. So I, um, yes, uh, the gal who shared the gospel with me was a, a young um, white female. And so the Lord used her to share God's love. And then when I became a Christian, I realized that I couldn't walk this faith alone. And in my church, the local church that I was involved in, they were very big on discipleship. And I am to this day very, I love this. I think we 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 need to disciple um, and we need to be discipled, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that he commanded. And so I um, started with an accountability group that really kind of started with someone discipling me, but we were we were culturally diverse. So it was a white female from Chicago area, um, and a Chinese American uh, woman, and me. And the three of us met together for several years, and we would have spaghetti and sparkling wine, <laughs> um, like the fake wine, and mm-hmm. we just yeah, and it was so fun. And but what it did. We, we, we all came from different backgrounds and cultures and experiences, and it helped us as we were learning and growing. Um, it it helped us to, to our iron sharpens iron, but it also helped us because we had different different backgrounds, so we could encourage each other in the faith differently. We brought some of our our not just our. Um, understanding of the scripture, but our culture to help us understand, okay, well, this maybe is what you're experiencing. And, and this is how I experienced whatever it was. And, and the Lord used it to, to really um, shape, I think, not just my, my growing up, but my faith. And I'm so grateful for, for that. Um, And how we were all created so differently. I had strong faith, my friend Lillian, um, actually, these girls have been on our show, yeah, yes. <laughs> who are women. They're women. My friend Lillian, just full of compassion. And then Amy was full of grace. So you've got a gal who we all reflected God in different ways. A gal who just n- knew the grace of God so she could help us walk in that grace. A gal who loved compassion. If she was, you would share something and she would cry. She was just so compassionate. Uh So she helped, yes, she helped us love um, and understand and have empathy. And, and like Jesus, Jesus sympathized with us in every way, but without sin. So she was so reflected Jesus in that way. And then I had strong faith. I just believed God and I believed that he could do anything. And, and we needed those things. We needed those those different um, ways to, that we reflected God to one another to help us build each other up. And and so I, I do believe that there is just something beautiful about the way God has created us and how we can encourage each other in, um, in the faith. So that is my encouragement. And I, I think that we ought to spur one another on 
and we can do that in different cultures as well. More when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and we have been talking about culture, diversity, faith, and Black History Month. And it has just been an absolute joy to have this conversation with my producer extraordinaire, Karen Hendren. And we have opened up the phone lines. I know that some of you are waiting, and I cannot wait to hear from Kirk in South Florida, WRMB. Kirk, welcome to Living by Faith. Good morning. Good morning. Um, My father, go ahead. No, I was going to say you go. Go ahead. I was giving you the the go ahead share. Thank thank you, dear. Uh, 1952, my family had moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, my father saw a need that there was no housing available to black families. You couldn't buy a new house. You couldn't buy a house in a nice subdivision. You could rent, and you could buy something down in the inner city. Uh, He decided with a partner to start building a subdivision, and he built St. Martin's Village. St. Martin was the first black saint in the Catholic Church. Hmm. Uh, He had a lot of opposition from both white business leaders, and then he actually had some opposition from the NAACP because they said, this was a problem that hadn't been solved, and it was part of their work. But anyway, he went on to build houses there for years. Uh, black families actually cried when they actually signed the closing papers. Even some city leaders who were African-American cried. And uh, To this day, that subdivision is still a, a shining place in Lexington, mm. Kentucky. It's, it's called the village by the, the people. Some houses are still owned by the original owner's families. Wow. And they just passed down from one generation. And it's impeccable. It's something that I'm very proud of that my dad did. Mm, that is absolutely extraordinary, Kirk. Uh, to hear those stories of how the Lord, I mean, and in those times, I it would have been, I can't even imagine the opposition in Kentucky that he would have received. And yet he stood firm and he, he, um, helped families. And, and how did that impact your life? Well, from the very beginning, I saw that my father was the person who stood for the right things. And I've been strong and stood for the right things through my life, even when it wasn't easy. Mm, I love that. Thank you, Kirk. Well, Kirk, stay on the line. We would like to get your address. Here's something kind of exciting that I didn't realize until today. My very first book with Moody Publishers is called United, Captured by God's Vision for Diversity. And it was released 10 years ago, March 1st. So I would, yes, yes, it's a lot of fun to, I didn't know that. And so I'd love to give it to you. And um, so stay on the line. We're going to give that to you, Kirk. Thank you so much. If I can add one last thing. The other thing that made me understand what was going on was the fact that I worked there as a teenager helping build the houses, and uh, there was African-American contractors, and the Bond brothers became good friends of my dad and me and my family. We'd actually go hunting with them, and we'd actually eat at their house. Their their wife was a wonderful cook, so I got Uh to interact with the, uh, the community and see the people and how much they appreciated what my dad was doing by being involved, even as a teenage boy. I love that. 
Thank you so much, Kirk. Thank you for your involvement. So you weren't just on the sidelines, but you were working. And um, I'm grateful for your dad's legacy and how people of Lexington, is pro- they're, they're probably continuing to be blessed by, by that. You know, it's interesting. Kirk, thank you. Stay on the line as I mentioned, and we will get your address. It's interesting because I don't think we realize how generations are impacted by the way we treat our neighbor. The way we treat, it matters. And Kirk's life was forever changed because of his father's love for neighbor and his vision to see people have equal housing and to be served. I just, that, and, and how some of those, the, the, the community members are likely uh, like generational poverty was could have been ended. You who knows who knows what was could have been, how the impact could have um, served that generation after generation. And so I'm I'm grateful for, for stories like that, Karen. Um, you had a few more questions yes, for I, me. I did. I and it actually Kirk's story sort of leads into this question. That is a beautiful story, and the impact you know that one person made, like you're saying, on a whole community generations later. It, it his dad's uh, really has a legacy there. Um, yes. But this leads me to my question: How do we raise our our children? to be like Kirk's dad, you know, to be respectful of our neighbors who may be very different from us, you know, may have different views, may have different backgrounds, may look different. How do we teach them to embrace our differences? I love this question. <laughs> um, I, I, I think there's a number of ways. One, um, we it starts with us, right? So his father was convicted and had a convictional desire to to love his neighbor, and so that to me is where it begins. And then, as as our hearts have been transformed, and specifically, I'm going to say by the gospel because I think that's what ultimately transforms hearts. Then we will teach our children, and and a lot of people say that racism is taught. I do believe to a certain degree that that is true. Like kids are going to learn what you you say. They're going to mimic you. They're going to be they're going to be be taught by whatever you're teaching them. And so at an early age, if we have been transformed, then we can teach our kids to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we can teach our kids to embrace and celebrate diversity and to enjoy those around us. Or we can teach them to hate. And so we have a choice. <laughs> what are we going to teach them? And and but it does. It begins with our own hearts. So I often I start with the the adults in the room. Like, what, what do you? Where are you with this? With the Lord? Where are you with how you view your neighbor? How you talk about your neighbor? And then teach, right? And so, so, and and I think it's 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 not very hard either. Um, we can start at Genesis one. We have. Where, where God started with creation. We are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, and then go on from there. There's so much in the scriptures that we can 
um, that can help guide us in this conversation. And so that's my advice is to start where God starts in his, that God is the creator, that God is the one who created us and he's the one who gives us value and worth. And then you can go from there. Uh, so t- launching from that, um, you mentioned that you ha- your children are bi- biracial. What kind of dream do you have for your children and for the world that they're going to be living in in 20 or 30 years from now? Um, you know, that's a great question. I have um, – what dream do I have for my kids? I dream ultimately that they know Jesus. I I want them to know the Lord and to worship the Lord. Um, So that's, that's, that's my ultimate dream. I want them to, to know the savior. And I do believe if they know Jesus and that they love Jesus, that they will then love their neighbor well. And so that's God's call is to love God with all our hearts, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But I do pl- pray for unity, for a culture that that will igno- repent where they've gone wrong, um, that would acknowledge the Lord and and that would <laughs> that would not discriminate based on ethnicity. And so that's my hope. You know, this not next generation, I have a lot of hope for them. Even the way that they speak about one another is different. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of faith, but but my ultimate faith is in Jesus. And I know that we'll be fighting this fight of faith until we return. And one day, though, one day, the, every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship together. Every yeah. tear will be wiped away. That day is coming, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that's that's some good news we can all hang on to, right? <laughs> it is. It is the good news that we have to hang on to. And I think it's the reason why I can fight this fight of faith, because I know the future. I already know the future. I already know that racism has an expiration date. It's all going to be wiped away, and we will be worshiping together. Hey, Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. My producer, Karen Hendren, and also thanks to my engineer, Bob Moreau, and Laura on the phones. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can connect with us at Trillia Newbell. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.